Welcome to Brisbane West Vineyards Podcast. It's great to have you with us. We're a community of people sharing God's love, power, and life that's revealed in Jesus. We gather Sundays, 5pm, at Good News Lutheran School in Middle Park. We exist simply for the King and His Kingdom, that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As Helen said, we're starting a new series and Dan sort of preempted it last week with the word faithfulness. Um, so we've already started the words in some respect. Um, and then on Thursday night it came out again, faithfulness was um, part of the theme of, of what happened on Thursday night. And each week we're going to be looking at a word that's foundational in the New Testament theology and um, we'll be using this book as, as our teaching guide. Um, and uh, I'm going to read a few bits out of it. I've nearly got enough hands. Um, and I want to start with a, a quote from Tim Mackey because <clears throat> we all know Tim, like he's a mate of ours, like he's been... <laughs> In, in our church with us regularly. And he says, while the New Testament is full of depth and complexity, its most important ideas have a profound simplicity to them. Profound simplicity. In this collection of word studies, Gupta, the author, explores foundational themes of New Testament theology, but it is a very accessible way. If you're looking to deepen your understanding of some of the most essential concepts of Christian belief, this book is for you. So as a church, I encourage us that it is going to be a great series for the next 15 or 20 weeks or however long we're going to run for with a few interruptions and a few other things happening and um, about themes and theology that we're going to be running with. Um, the next bit comes from, from the foreword by Dr Paula Gooder. And she says again about how the, each chapter is written. Um, it begins with a bird's eye view looking at how the specific word can be traced through the Bible and then zooms in looking at each word in the book from the New Testament and then plays an especially important part and then compares that with another book in the New Testament. Um, two more little quotes from here. And this is from the author's introduction. And he asks the question, why write a book about these words? Because the goal of the New Testament writers was not to wax eloquently about theology. Not to rabbit on about theology, right? Wax eloquently, rabbit on. But to prepare Christians to live well in the real world. And that's what we will be doing as the team preach on a word, um, trying to give it some real world uh, and this 
not happening. And the words, so this is going to be a test for you. You can see, if we, make sure we cut, tick, tick them all off, all right? So last week we had faithfulness, which isn't in this book, but that's beside the point. Gospel, righteousness, oh, hang on. Someone's talking on righteousness today. Um, life, faithfulness, forgiveness, the cross, faith, salvation, grace, fellowship, hope and love and peace and holiness and religion and witness. So we can see that that's going to be a bit of a, a grounding for us as we go into this. Um, and today's message is brought to you by the word righteousness. <laughs> so just help where, what does righteousness mean? Some quick definitions. I'm going to do the preaching so I don't need long definitions. Um, what are your quick definitions of the word righteousness? What does it mean to you? To live rightly? Yep. Okay, to to, re, to 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 repay the debt, is that what you're sort of thinking? Yeah, sort of. Well, not, yeah. not quite that, but yeah, okay. So your relationship is right Yep, to make the relationship right, to live in right relationship. To stay faithful. To stay faithful, yep. To be right in the eyes of God. To be right in the eyes of God. to be in right relationship with God and with each other. So we can see that just from that, um, I could be talking for a number of days. <laughs> I can assure you I won't be. <laughs> um, and so it also gives the hint there's going to be lots of stuff I'm not going to talk about if I'm not going to be talking for lots of days. Um, and so I'm going to bring three types or varieties and I haven't got the right adjective to put there yet, so you can tell me later, about righteousness. Um... And I don't want to restrict righteousness to a word that's only used by Christians for Christians. Okay? Um, so the Hebrew word that we translate into righteousness has been called by somebody, and I forgive me for whomever it was, the most general Hebrew term to describe, to describe good people. So the most general Hebrew term to describe good people. So good people are righteous by that definition. And over the, over the years, different people have given different adjectives to describe righteousness. And I'm going to use three P words to make it a little easy for us. 
And um, the first one I'm calling practical righteousness, which is what I just started talking about, right? The fact that people who do good things are righteous. And again from, again from the book, righteousness is an ethical term used to mark people who live generatively... Hang on, I've got a slide on that. There we go. Righteousness is an ethical term used to mark people who live generatively or creatively um, to keep things growing in the community in order to sustain and enhance the community's well-being. Okay. The righteous person is characteristically one who involves who is involved in the community showing special attentiveness to the poor and needy. Okay? So that's this general and what I've termed well the term I'm using today it's not my definition of practical righteousness. And my brother whom I pray for regularly, says he's an atheist, has no place for God, God, has, God doesn't exist. And I try to tell him that I don't believe in the God that he doesn't believe in either. But uh, that doesn't go over very well. Um, but he's a righteous man by this definition. He looks after the community, he looks after those he's with, he's a good father, he's a good, wife, good husband to his wife. Um, he, he does all of these things. He gives to the community. He, you know, is a good man. And another man who was a Christian engineering businessman, and this is a bit of an indictment on the Christians, he said, I'd rather hire non-Christians because typically they work harder. And... Um, that, unfortunately, is part of where we're at. But by that definition, there are many in the world who are more practically righteous than their Christian counterparts. So the first layer of righteousness is practical righteousness. And it's measured in the, yeah, measured in the scriptures and by the world by what we do and how we live our lives. The, um, the second definition is my righteousness, and some spoke about this, of how we live our right lives right with the Father, with Yahweh. And that's only by faith in Jesus. Then I'm using the term positional righteousness. We are saved by grace, not by works. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not from yourself, it's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And the phrase I've got there, the, my words of it are, we're saved by grace, not by works, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, which I just read. And Peter recalls, retells the crucifixion in First Peter and he says, when they hurled insults at him being Christ, 
he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, Christ entrusted himself to Yahweh, who judges justly. Christ himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live in righteousness. And Paul wrote in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ and no longer I live but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law or by works or by doing things for myself, if I could earn it, Christ died for nothing. And so... The work of the cross, and thank you, Joe and Michael, for the worship tonight. It was just so on point with where we're at. It is all of these things we were reminded on in worship. And I'm using the term positional righteousness to describe this. And I've coined a phrase that it's free, or I'm using the phrase, it's free, but it's going to cost you everything you've got. As we listen to those passages from the New Testament. This is so important. I've been saved by grace so that I can continually choose... I can continually choose to do works of righteousness because I love God, I love the Father, and I love people. And last time I was preaching a couple of weeks ago, I um, belted out an old rock anthem and... um, Songs are one method that I use to memorise and to put my place with the Father as to what's happening around me. And I encourage us to, we're all different, and I'm going to cover that more specifically, but we, the, the anthem that I came with this week is one that, I don't know who's going to know it, and I'm not going to sing it. But it's an old one that that goes, I'm covered with the robes of righteousness that Jesus gives to me. I'm covered over with this precious blood of Jesus, and he lives in me. Oh, what a joy it is to know my heavenly Father loves me so, and he gave to me my Jesus. When he looks at me, he sees not what I used to be, but he sees Jesus. And those eight lines, 
really have helped me over my 50-year walk with the Lord now around that, that when Father God looks at me, he doesn't see me. He sees me covered with the robe of righteousness because Jesus died on the cross. The song we were singing tonight at the cross, it is, is a modern version of that story for us to help us to remember to become a modern anthem. Does anybody remember the song that I just read the words to? One. And so it's just us young people. <laughs> right? That, um, and it's just a... So it's not an appropriate thing for now. It doesn't have to be. Right? But that fact that when Jesus looks at me, he sees not what I used to be, but he sees Jesus. And thirdly, our progressive righteousness. And our progressive righteousness, we should be set aside, set apart from the world. That Christian businessman shouldn't be saying, I would rather employ non-Christians because they work harder. But it should be the Christians who do work harder. People in the world do things of practical righteousness out of their own strength. As I explained earlier, we, while we are saved by grace through faith, not by works, faith without works is dead. Therefore, our progressive righteousness needs to be walked in out of John 5.19. How do we, how do we live our progressive righteousness. We live our progressive righteousness by doing what we see the Father doing. By walking with him, by listening to him, by communicating with him and then responding out of that heart. Responding to him out of that I'm going to embarrass a mate of mine uh, Phil, can you come here, please? Now, he has been a mate of mine. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, now, he has been pre-warned. He's also, somewhat, <laughs> he's also the chair of the board of directors for Refugee Connect. And <clears throat> one of our refugees that we've been helping recently is a deserted single mum. Um, apparently it's okay for a man in some cultures to go and run off with another woman and then come back and whatever. 
But apart from that, she came to our house and Phil has been helping fix her house, fix holes in walls and fly screens and tip runs and 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 drains and washing machines and fridges and so anyway she was at our place on Friday and when I mentioned Phil her face lit up and so much excitement she says that man is Malaikai. Oh boy thank you. That man is Malaikai. My kids and I think he's a Malaikai. Did you look at the word yet? Did you find it? No. No. Um, Malaikai. Hebrews 13.2 gives us an example, gives us a hint. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For in doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. In Dinka, Malaikai means angel. So, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's pray for an angel now, shall we? <laughs> Father God, I thank you for Phil. I thank you for his continued obedience to you. His continued obedience to walk and to listen to you and to be about your business. And we thank you for him, Lord. We honour him at this time. And Lord, we ask that you would continue to minister, that he would be continue, a continued blessing to those around him. Thank you, King Jesus. Amen. And so this is part of what progressive righteousness looks fulfilled. That's how his progressive righteousness looks. Now, is anyone else named Phil Gibson? Has anyone else got his DNA? Is anyone else that tall, got that grey hair? You know? So there's only one of him. And so it's not about comparing. Right? It's not about comparing. I want to stop. And I want to ask each of you, right now, Holy Spirit, come. And what has Yahweh challenged you about in these last few seconds, in these last couple of minutes? What is your progressive righteousness look like? What is Father talking to you about? And it won't, be, it won't look like what it looks like for Phil or for me or for Jonathan or for Dan or for anybody else because you're you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made and Father God has given you spiritual gifts. Father God has placed you in your workplace. Father God has placed you in the community around you. What does your progressive 
righteousness look like? I want you to take note of that. I want you to remember it. I want you to even write it down in, in a note on your phone or on a bit of paper or we're going to have a time to, to, to come and talk with it, process it after, but it's don't analyse it. Don't think about it too much. Whatever Father God gave you just now, just remember that. Paul in Romans, he says, you've been set free from sin to become slaves to righteousness. John Wimber used to say, I'm a fool for Jesus. Whose fool are you? It's not about anything else. It's who really are we serving? And that's in Romans 6 and he goes on. Just as, as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness which leads to holiness. Remember there's no salvation through works. But faith without works is dead. No matter how you define this righteousness or slice it up, the purpose is the same. We must not confuse the gift of salvation we have in Christ. What I have coined today, positional righteousness, with the works we do as Christians, progressive righteousness. In short, we must never mix up the doctrines of works and grace. Works and grace, they're not the same. Righteousness can have similar meanings. But remember, our positional righteousness is covered by the robe of righteousness from Jesus. Our... Um, progressive righteousness is how we continue to walk in that. And that's the part that I just read from, from Romans 6. In Hebrews 13, Now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus and the great shepherd of the sheep equip you with every good for doing his will, equip you with everything good for doing his will and may you work in us what is pleasing to him through Christ Jesus. And so, again, it's about letting him work through us. 
our progressive righteousness. We're going to have communion and I don't know, but the the pita bread is gluten free. Just for those who who need to be, just to be aware. Um, I want to remind us as we take communion that firstly communion is for those who acknowledge their positional righteousness with the Father at the level of their understanding. So if you have any questions about your salvation, if you want to talk about that, come and find myself or one of the leaders. Also, if there is any anything that God brings to you that you need to, to deal with, then now's the appropriate time to do that, whether it's just with the Father, as we take some time to be still, or if you need to talk to somebody else about stuff, well, let's get that done. Now, I believe most of us here, in the middle of the message, paused a bit, and I invited the Holy Spirit and asked, what is Yahweh talking to you about? And that's the part that I want to, and that's why this slide is still there. Now offering yourselves as a slave to righteousness leading to holiness. Holiness.